Welcome to today's podcast. So this is Jeremy Whitbeck, a partner of Polaris Wealth Advisory Group, and we have with us our Chief Investment Officer and Managing Partner, Jeff Powell. Jeff, great to talk to you. Good to be here. And so today uh, is going to be a, a really interesting conversation. Um, obviously, this year has started with a bang, and I find it really interesting because last year ended with a bang. And so there's been a lot of concern about just the market being at all-time highs. Is it going to pull back? Um, why is it going up? And so definitely an area that you have a lot of expertise on. So looking forward to hearing your thoughts and comments on why is this market as strong as it is? Where are we seeing strength? How do we get in front of that? And so Jeff, can you kind of paint a story or paint a picture rather for where uh, the strength of this market's being drawn from? Yeah, I mean, one of the things that we got to keep in mind with uh, with markets and market conditions um, and is really uh, their future indicators. And so it's not what's going on now, but it's really a lot to do with what's expected uh, to happen uh, in the future. And so when we're looking at uh, what's going on with the markets uh, as we speak right now. I mean, we've got uh, the S&P 500 up almost 5% for the year. If you're looking at the Russell, uh, you're, you're looking at having the Russell 1000 value doing a little bit better than the Russell 1000 growth, which was uh, a lot of what was going on uh, into last year as well. Uh, so we've, we've got a market that's uh, really kind of uh, moving. The breadth of the market is, I think, one of the more encouraging things that uh, the equal weighted uh, S&P 500 is actually outperforming uh, the uh, the regular S&P 500, which is a, a capitalization weighted uh, market. So right now the equal weighted is up a little north of six, whereas uh, the S&P 500 as a index, the way that it's normally rated, is up just slightly less than five. Uh, but a really strong uh, strong start to the year. Um, and again, a little bit of a continuation of what we did see in fourth quarter, as you were mentioning, Jeremy, of seeing value outperforming growth. Yeah. So, and what's interesting about this, Jeff, and I think this happens every time the market runs, is the uh, the legs that this market's had, meaning it didn't just run for a little bit, but it continues to run. Um, so you mentioned that value certainly outpacing growth, and that makes sense given that growth had a better year last year, and so it sounds like its values turned to kind of um, take the the reins for a little bit, but when you said earlier that uh, the market's forward looking and that's typically what's uh, a better predictor of the direction of the market, what is it that the market's paying attention to in the future that's driving this optimism right now? Well, I, I think a lot of it is COVID related. Uh, we've talked about this uh, in our uh, webinar uh, pretty much at, at great length, but it, it's it's COVID, it's COVID, and it's more COVID. I mean, obviously, one of the things to, to keep in mind with all of this is that before COVID came into our lives, uh, our economy was doing more than fine. Uh, so, I mean, if you're looking at it in that kind of context, I mean, you got to be looking at it and saying, okay, well, what's going on with, re with re uh, relations to that? And so, in looking at this, I mean, if you're looking at, for example, um, hospitalization rates. Um, in January, we had over 132,000 people in this country uh, that were hospitalized. If you're looking at uh, what's going on right now, as of yesterday, it's less than 65,000. So half the number of people that are in a hospital uh, today that when we peaked back in January. Now, these numbers are still higher than where we were in July. They're still higher than where we were 
uh, back in April, but they're a, a rem they're a marketable uh, improvement compared to what we were dealing with before. Um, if you're looking at daily new rates, again, a seven-year seven-day average peaked in mid-January with over 250,000 cases, or almost 250,000 cases a day. Uh, we're down to uh, 81,000. So again, a third of daily new cases uh, compared to where we were uh, just a few weeks ago. And so those are a few things. Now, unfortunately, our um, our death rate, while well, it has certainly uh, peaked and has come down, has not come down at the same sort of levels. Uh, we're, we're still looking at about 2,300 people a day uh, that are passing. Now, this is down from uh, having a daily average that was almost 4,000, um, you know, or I'm sorry, we were more in the, the mid 3,000 range, but we had uh, a spike, you know, we had daily rates that were higher than that uh, on a seven-day average, so it was really what I'm talking about here. But they're coming down, but they're still substantially higher uh, than where we were. But all of these things are improving, and they're improving, obviously, uh, as a uh, main reason uh, because we're sitting there looking at having, um, you know, doses of, of vaccines being put in arms uh, throughout this country. So, you know, again, having um, right now in the U.S., it's um, about 17 out of 100 people now uh, have a, you know, have been administered at least one shot uh, of the vaccine. And we're averaging right now about 1.6, almost 1.7 million shots uh, a day in the United States. That's a total of, uh, right now as we speak, it's uh, a total of 56 million uh, people that have been given uh, one of the two vaccines and, and maybe not both of them yet, uh, but we're on pace to be doing so. So the hope is by summer uh, that we start to see you know, a substantial turnaround uh, in our economy as we open up and open up and open up more. Uh, that's the goal. Now, obviously, you know, we, the, there are potential hiccups out there, but you know, you know, as we speak right now, that's what people are looking at is, as a returning to normal. And if we have a returning to normal, uh, what goes on with the market? You know, what, what will recover? What's going to continue to rise? You know, those types of things. Yeah, well, that's all great news, and uh, certainly we're making a lot of progress there. And to your point, what I find very encouraging is the fact that the infection rates have dropped significantly from where we were at just a month ago, and we haven't even uh, come close to hitting critical mass on the number of vaccinations. So as that continues to roll out, hopefully we'll see those numbers continue to dwindle um, and uh, I would expect optimism to certainly go up as that continues to happen. and and should certainly drive some of what we're seeing. The other part that I find very interesting here is that there was a lot of concern about company earnings and what would happen with company earnings as people were either staying at home or were forced to change their spending patterns to match the type of lifestyle that uh, many of us have adopted just to try to keep uh, the virus at bay, keep ourselves protected. Jeff, how have company earnings been coming in? Have they been as bad as what people have projected or have they been different than that? Well, we have seen uh, a substantially higher earnings than what was originally estimated is, is really, I guess, the easiest and best way of saying it. Um, part of that is a lowering the bar, uh, so to speak, of what was expected from these companies. But the earnings expectations uh, for 2021 are actually substantially higher and uh, 2022 even higher than that. So 
the expectations are actually for our economy to not only have uh, recovered, uh, but corporate earnings to actually be above where they were in 2019 um, this year. And so it's not going to be a, a, a huge difference, but you are looking at a, a full uh, expected recovery when it comes to that. And there's also talk about high pent-up uh, demand. So even though people are going out and spending their their um, their stimulus checks and things of that nature, um, there's also other pent-up demand from people that had put side money early into the pandemic that are spending it. And so the expectation is actually for um, a well above average economy uh, for 2021. Um, and so if we're looking at that with strong corporate earnings, uh, you should expect a market that rises. Yeah, Jeff, in one of our previous conversations, you brought up an interesting point, which is to kind of look back to the uh, Spanish flu that was experienced in 1918. And for those people that uh, aren't familiar, um, the Spanish flu in 1918 was devastating. Um, it had a lot of parallels to what we're experiencing now. And what was most interesting is what happened to the economy, what happened with consumption patterns afterwards. Jeff, do you mind sharing with the audience what did happen after the uh, the pandemic in 1918? Well, there was a little thing called the Roaring Twenties. And so, uh, yeah, I mean, uh, people lived their lives very differently after that. It was, it was a, I may not be around uh, a year from now, five years from now, 10 years from now, so I might as well uh, enjoy what I have while I have it. And, uh, you know, there was, uh, it was a little derelict to think about it in that way and, and not kind of plan for your future. We certainly don't want people to be uh, thinking in that kind of context and spend every penny that they have on frivolous things or, or things of that nature. But um, I think to your point, really, it, it changed a mindset and it sped forward uh, things uh, that we're seeing going on here in the U.S. I mean, if you're looking at, you know, home ownership, for an example, uh, and we've talked about this before, some of the, the demographic shifts from being in the city out into the suburbs and so on, uh, you've seen a material change. Uh, and something that sped things forward, not a year or two, but you know, probably a decade to two faster than most people were expecting it to happen, uh, which is going to have direct impacts on how people spend, how people travel, how people live. Uh, all of that is going to be impacted by this. Now, this is not just a, this is not a complete game changer, uh, but it's definitely uh, going to materially change uh, certain parts of the marketplace. Uh, and, you know, I think that there's going to be, have to be a kind of a wait and see. I mean, some of, you know, commercial real estate, for example, I would not want to own a high rise building in a major metropolitan area right now. Uh, not that I have the money to do so, but if I did, I would not be looking to buy a high rise building because realistically speaking, people are going to be less apt and have less need to be traveling downtown in order to go to a major metroplex in order to work. Uh, so if that's the case, then, you know, do you have as many restaurants downtown, you know, catering to those people for their breakfast and their lunch meetings? You know, there, there's a, a domino effect to all of this. Um, you know, think about just how many cars are needed, you know, how are cars used? Um, that will have an impact. Now, if you live in the city and you're taking a bus, you don't need a car. Um, if you are out in the suburbs, though, and you don't need to drive into the city to get to your job, you're going to be driving less. So there's, there's a, a, a kind of a give and take with a lot of this stuff. 
uh, that is going to be interesting to see how it kind of plays itself out over the next few years. Yeah, that's uh, that's really interesting. And I think over the next couple of years, as uh, we unfold, we'll continue to monitor how this has shifted our society. One of the things that I found most interesting with all of this, though, is that there was a lot of fear that consumption patterns would be destroyed, or at least temporarily with the uh, just the quarantining, staying at home. And yet it seems there's certainly some of that, but also is it was spending shifted. Right. So people spent in different areas. And that's, I think, part of why company earnings came in far stronger than initially projected. Jeff, can you walk us through what are some of those areas of the uh, of the market or uh, I guess consumption areas that have really benefited um, with uh, some of the spending patterns that have taken place? Well, I would take it even a step further. I mean, the, today, just as an example, retail sales uh, came out uh, dramatically higher uh, for January than people were expecting, where uh, people were going out and spending their stimulus checks. So you're, you're seeing it in uh, retail sales across the board. Uh, what we have done uh, in order to stay ahead of already a very robust market is to really kind of look back to uh, what we're seeing in, in the recovery mode. So it's a, you know, I kind of joke about it a little bit saying, okay, a little bit of a Rip Van Winkle approach to uh, some of what we're investing in. Meaning like if you fell asleep and woke up a couple of years from now, are you going to be happy that we bought this stock at this low of a price in an area of the marketplace that's really beaten up. Uh, so we have a little bit of that and we, you know, within the airline industry uh, in particular, which falls in the industrial space. Uh, we've been looking there, but the industrial area of the market right now, A, looks you know, properly valued um, and has, you know, secondly, really strong uh, expected earnings for this year. Again, talking about pent up demand. You've had you know, companies really not spending a lot of money. They're, they're trying to hold on, they're cost cutting, and they're trying to make sure that they're around uh, post-pandemic. Now they're starting to they're need equipment. They're needing to spend money in areas. So uh, industrials would definitely be a, a very strong area. You're also starting to see energy start to pick back up. Again, as people uh, have less of a need to be sheltering in place, uh, they are using more energy. And as a result of that, you're seeing price of oil uh, start to move up on a global basis, which makes it more profitable for these uh, firms going forward. And then financials was another area of the market that really got beaten up last year uh, that we have uh, really kind of tried to, to capitalize. But within the retailers, I mean, if you looked at uh, consumer discretionary as a uh, an index from last year, it did very well, but it did really well because it was driven by companies like Amazon, Home Depot, Lowe's, and so on. The average company out there did not fare particularly well. And so that's what we've also been trying to, to, to really take advantage of is uh, while we do own Amazon and our non-dividend paying strategies, um, what we've been trying to do is to, uh, to take advantage of uh, some of the other areas of the marketplace uh, that are starting to recover either through stimulus checks or with people back to work or making more money uh, as the economy starts to recover. Uh, so that's really been our main uh, phases of investing uh, outside of just our typical, you know, okay, where's their strength in the market? So obviously there's been a lot of, of strength within the, the tech uh, world also, uh, but really it's been very specific. I mean, if you're looking at uh, the Fab Five, they've not been driving the market uh, this year, as we were talking about before, it's, 
it's really been within the chip manufacturers that we've seen it. So um, as demand for, you know, faster product, you know, more computers, uh, internet connectivity from homes, things along those lines, uh, there's going to be continued pressure uh, to improve upon this based upon, you know, new spending habits as well as new demographics. Yeah, that's uh, and certainly uh, an interesting thing to watch unfold. And that's actually one of the things that I'm most encouraged about this market is that there's certainly areas of the market that look overvalued or fairly valued, um, but there's also a lot of opportunity within this market. I mean, that's with the polarization and the results that happened last year, I would argue there's just as much opportunity this year as there was last year in understanding the second wave of recovery, um, the second wave of where spending patterns will uh, take place. Yeah, I couldn't agree with you more, Jeremy. I mean, the, the big thing that I would throw out to everybody is, um, you know, again, what normally leads you out of a recession, uh, you know, the leadership, the stocks that are doing that, and we've talked about this multiple times, but the companies that are, are leading out of recession are not typically companies that are then taking the market to, to higher highs from there. And so we really have to be looking again outside of that and saying, okay, well, if there is a leadership change, where is that leadership change going to come from? Um, and again, to your point of how much, I mean, we had one of the largest disparities between uh, dividend versus non-dividend paying companies last year. And yet Polaris did really, really well uh, in outperforming our benchmarks um, in, in that field. And so really what you're going to be looking at going forward is uh, i mean this has been going on for four or five years now historically speaking this is a very long time uh for growth to outperform value uh value will then go back into favor for an extended time period so this is going to be a stock pickers market this is not going to be a rising tide lifts all ships type of environment where uh you know it's dominated by uh a wide breadth this is going to be out of favor areas of the marketplace that people probably don't have sitting in their portfolio today uh, that they really need to do a lot of homework in order to understand where the market is going to show its strength and so again where we're constantly doing our valuations and constantly looking at uh, technicals fundamentals and so on uh, is really the driving factor by uh, us outperforming uh, not only the broad-based index but our our specific benchmarks yeah, well, there, there's definitely a lot to uh, be excited about this year. Um, to your point with the uh, the stock pickers market, um, I mean, that's one of the great things that that is uncovered with events like what we just went through is it certainly opens up a lot of opportunity for those that are willing to do the hard work of finding the diamonds in the rough and looking for the uh, the missed gems. And uh, you, you bring up a good point there, Jeremy, and I know that we probably need to be wrapping up here shortly, but um this actually might be a, a good time to, to teach people about a thing called R-squared. And you know, R-squared uh, obviously measures several things, but one of the things that it measures is really, you know, how closely are you following an index? Now, following an index can be a good thing and a bad thing. Um, I mean, if you are uh, hiring a manager uh, to be, you know, part of a puzzle, then following a index uh, may be a good thing if you've got 20 other managers that you're managing. Now, not following an index uh, can be a great thing if you are adding value by the stock selection. And one of the things that you will see from uh, across the board in all the strategies that Polaris runs, uh, where our individual stock strategies, I really should say, 
is our R squared is quite low, which means that we're adding value through that investment selection process. We are not trying to be an index, quite the contrary. And in years like this, that's really where it shines. And so again, uh, you know, if you haven't talked to your advisor about this, uh, this would be an opportune time to have an educated conversation about the value that uh, that Polaris Wealth is bringing to the table through the investment selection process uh, through our investment team. And so, you know, I, I'm very proud of what we're doing right now. Uh, it's it's a, a very unusual outpacing of the marketplace on a level that that uh, we haven't seen for quite a while. So it's exciting to see. Yeah, that, that's a great point, Jeff. And uh, just to kind of add to that, one of the times where our R-squared uh, tends to be the lowest is actually during periods of market downturn, right? Because we significantly reduce our risk um, in a few different ways. One is that we shift into defensive securities. The other way is that we actually shift into cash. And so by disconnecting, that R-squared value really drops because if the market's down, say, 35%, like it was in March of last year, um, some of our strategies were down 12, 13, I think uh, the more aggressive, 18%, but a significant decrease in that uh, downside participation. And uh, certainly that's going to have an influence on the R-squared driving that down, which is exactly by design. It's exactly what we're trying to do there. Yeah, I mean, and really what you're hitting on there, Jeremy, also is, I mean, we're sector agnostic. I mean, uh, so we might see... For example, energy representing less than 3% of the stock market, but if energy comes into favor, we're going to own it with at least enough substance that it actually has an impact on the returns within our portfolios. We're not going to go in and go, okay, well, we need to hold 3% energy at all times because that's what's sitting in the index. No, that's that you're not adding value that way. It's if energy is not in favor, maybe owning none of it. When it is in favor, maybe owning six, seven, eight, maybe 10% of your portfolio there. Whereas again, your indexes are gonna be sitting at under 3%. That's where you add value. Um, and then it's also obviously having the best of names within that energy that space. You could have, uh, you know, you could get the the call correct that the sector should do well, but if you don't have the, the right underlying companies, then everything's for naught. So it's really that combination of, of both um, and being able to you know, be dynamic and, and be uh, like we've talked about being tactical with how we're managing uh, the money. So it's it's about uh, not you know just sticking to one part of the market and hoping it does well. It's it's shifting gears. I mean, today would be a great example. I mean, obviously we're talking in the midst of the market being open and it's only been open for slightly over an hour. But you're looking at it, tech's getting really beaten up. It's down 1.4 percent, whereas energy and financials are up on the day. Uh, you know, so it's, it's again understanding where the strength of the market is and trying to position yourself to the best of your capabilities in those particular areas. Yeah, well, Jeff, thank you so much for your thoughts and comments. Um, certainly uh, a stock picker's dream environment. So really looking forward to what we'll be able to accomplish as a team here in 2021. So with that, everyone, thank you so much for listening. And as always, be happy, be safe, and be healthy. Polaris Wealth Advisory Group, LLC, is a federally registered investment advisor. The information, statements, and opinions expressed in this material are provided for general information only and are subject to change without notice. This material does not take into account your particular investment objectives, financial situation, or needs, is not intended as a recommendation to purchase or sell any security, and is not intended as individual or specific advice. 
It should not be construed as investment, legal, or tax advice. Before acting on this material, you should consider whether it is suitable for your particular circumstances and, if necessary, seek professional advice. Polaris Wealth does not offer professional, legal, or tax advice. All information contained herein is believed to be accurate, but accuracy cannot be guaranteed. Advisory services are only offered to clients or prospective clients where Polaris Wealth Advisory Group, LLC, and its representatives are properly licensed or exempt from licensure. Past performance is no guarantee of future returns. Diversification does not assure a profit or protect against loss. Investing involves risk and possible loss of principal capital. No advice may be rendered by Polaris Wealth Advisory Group, LLC, unless a client service agreement is in place.